Ooh, the Wiz is on. And they are at the Wizard of Oz. Look at all that green. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into talking about how to be a classy standard instead of a fleeting trend. This one's going to be good. I'll see you on the flip. So I'm talking to one of my nieces the other day, and we got to talking about how to know the difference between something that's going to last and something that's just a passing trend. And when she asked me, how do you know how to pick something that's going to stick? And I had to think about it, but then I started talking with her and I remember bringing up this uh, scene from The Wiz. Now, for those of you who do not know what I'm talking about, you can quickly Google it. But The Wiz was a Broadway play turned into a movie back in the 70s, that it would be the 1970s, (laughs) that um, the movie version starred Diana Ross with her magnificent self and Michael Jackson. And it was an urban take on the classic Wizard of Oz. Well, when they finally made it to the Emerald City, there was a famous sequence of people that were on a runway strutting about the center of the city. And I was always spellbound by the time they got to this part. I mean, the the lyrics are a chant and they say things like, you've got to be seen in green. Don't tell them your cupboard's bare, that you gave them one week's fee to pay for your colored hair. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then an announcement comes and the great powerful Oz talks over the loudspeaker and says, hey, I thought about it and green is dead. Till I changed my mind, the color is red. And so then they start to chant, I wouldn't be seen in green. Ooh, oh, oh, ah, ah. I wouldn't be caught dead. And if I'm caught at all, then catch me dead in red. And it went on and on and then they changed. So they start when you get there, you start in green, then it goes to red and then it goes to yellow. And and it was just a beautiful (laughs) arrangement, but it actually had a lot of subtext under it where it talked about how we as humans are made of energy and that energy is always moving into and out of form, neither being created nor destroyed, but that our true purpose is to always be changing. But also that we are concerned with how others see us because in this this uh, whiz situation, they had this uh, walking camera that would go around and look at the people strutting in their different colors. And at the time, uh, you know, the camera would pick the most stylish and they would stop and pose. And then so Dorothy and Scarecrow and the lion and all of them, they want to get a picture and they try to run in front of the big camera to get their picture taken. The camera takes a look at them, turns this proverbial head up and walks away. And it was just amazing. But I always remembered that in how people people's um, attention spans can be short and people are made to be fickle. 
Now, I've talked to you guys about many different books on this podcast, and uh, y'all know I love to read and all of the different things that go into our being predictably irrational and um, how we are made to want to always be on the hedonistic treadmill. I've talked to you about the book Sapiens, um, where the author talks about how it was that darn wheat. <laughs> when we domesticated wheat, we exchanged uh, a part of our life um, because wheat opened up a whole new world to us that got us started on this quest for more. And it's just a brilliant treatise uh, in that book. If you've got it, if you've gotten it, please read it. If you haven't, get the book. Is uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful work. Um, but even with that. As part of what I do in my everyday, I get an opportunity to help people um, to change their lives, whether I'm teaching them how to write a book or I'm working with them on how to make their businesses shine and find uh, their specialness of um, how to find their place in the world. And I've realized that over the years, it's because I have actually been taught and experienced how to find what is a trend and what is a classic. And so when my niece and I were talking the other day and she was like, well, you know, what is it? And I had to think, and I was like, you know what? I think I have the curse of knowledge because I tend to think that everybody knows how to do this. And so if you'll permit me for the next few minutes, I'm just going to go over some things. Now, some of them that I'm going to say, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I know that. Or it's going to click for you like, yeah, that makes sense. And then some of it, you're going to be like, wow, okay. But I'm going to tell you how I'm going to approach this is my goal is when you get through with today's podcast, that you'll have a few more uh, wisdoms in, in your backpack, if you will, to be able to know when you are looking at something that's going to be a trend and when you are looking at something that's going to stick around and how to better your odds at picking the right things. And hey, you may even make it where you're able to make yourself uh, a classic standard instead of a trend, okay? All right, so the first thing I wanna say is this. People, for the most part, are are willing to, in um, how can I say it? Okay, I'll just say it the way I wanna say it. People are willing to endure Britney as long as Beethoven is around when they want it. And what that really means is, is that in the everyday life of what we do in our popular uh, sectors, we want quick, easy, simple, digestible, and highly consumable. What that means is we want things that are going to pique our interest for a moment to distract us, to entertain us, but we don't want to have to have a long engagement with it. And so that is why we have popular music. That is why we have television shows that go in and out of trend. And thus, you can have something that's really hot this year, and two years later, it gets canceled. And that is just the way of the world of how we are made. And so I want to set a uh, a baseline for, for what it means to be a trend and what it means to be a classic standard. All right. So with a trend, 
A trend is something, like I've said before, it's going to normally be in the popular range. It's going to be something that uh, does not require a lot of investment of time, brain power, learning curve, or any of that stuff. And it is there to help people get a quick pop of entertainment, of amusement, or whatever. It is going to be something uh, normally that will even be viral. And when you, I'm assuming you know what viral means in this context, but for those who don't, something that is an earworm, something that weaves its way through the zeitgeist or society very quickly, and it's something that people want to know about so that they can be the in the know of what everyone is talking about, okay? Uh, it's the latest sensation, those types of things, okay? So when we talk about a trend, we're talking about things that flow with our moods and fluctuations. It is it is uh, short-lived, short-lived, however you want to say that, and it is made to have a big splash, but no depth, okay? The next thing is the classy standard or the classical And with this, the standard is something that has withstood the test of time. It is something that has been cared for, remembered, honored, and cherished, or even revered. It is something that, even though it may have been made to be a trend, it has defied the trendiness by becoming timeless and ageless and is able to withstand scrutiny when observed. All right. So now that I've given you that understanding, let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Okay. So going back to the whiz, why did I talk about the whiz at the beginning? Well, first of all, it's one of my childhood pop favorites. And at the time it was very trendy. Well, you know, uh, let me let me go back and make sure because by the time I saw it, it was it had been around for a while. So by the time I saw the uh, Wiz as a kid, it had transformed itself from a trend to a classic standard in the urban uh, America that I grew up in. Uh, so it started off as a, a a Broadway play, and then it got a movie, and it became a big deal. In, in my neck of the woods, my, you know, society, the people that I know, that and the color purple, I'll just be honest with you. And I looked at it because I saw it, you know, like I said, many years later as an adult, and it still got me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is just amazing. Now, I'm not going to even talk about all the brilliant costuming and um, creativity of how it took Dorothy's uh, travels and put them in an urban, you know, world. Like for instance, <laughs> the yellow brick road is a, is at, at the time it was a ghetto pl- playground um, a- that led to the subway station in New York. I mean, it, it was just a- amazing all of the things that were there, but if you're going underneath it, then you start to see that it had the makings of a classic all along. Um, and because of that, it had a lot of subtext, a lot of um, depth to it. It it is almost like code for um, a message to the people that it resonated with. And that's one of the things that I was trying to convey to my niece when I was talking with her. And so I told her this part. When 
she wanted to identify a standard versus a trend. The first thing I wanted to deal with was her understanding of planting and gardening. And so I talked to her in terms of a perennial versus an annual. And when I talked about how a classic is not made to always be popular it's made to withstand the seasons like a perennial would. So like a perennial, it can thrive very well in in whatever season that it's made to thrive in. But it also is able to be dormant where it doesn't die. And that when its season comes back around, it's flourishing. It can also be part of the evergreen family. And we talked about that. And then I talked to her a little bit about the annuals. I'm like, that's why you have to plant them every year. They're only made for that season. And if you want them, you got to go get them again. And it it clicked for her. But I went on and, 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 you know, just really kind of made sure, I wanted to make sure that she would understand how to find this for herself. And so... By coming up with this, this is the wisdom smack that we started to get. And that was that when you have a classic, it's something about them. They start to get word of mouth authority and people start to attest to their quality. They maintain this balance between being original and timeless as well as new to new people who discover them. They always seem to have the right amount at the right time. And even if their makers, creators, or those that manage the classic tweak it, it still retains its originality, even in its newness. And the thing about a classic, it always has great timing because it lives outside of time. Whereas for a trend, like I said before, a trend is going to have a virality to it where it explodes with a with a pop. And the biggest factor about it is that it's new. It is a pattern interruption. It's a entertaining um it's an entertaining uh, disruption of uh, what your normal life is. It's an interrupt. It's it's a, hey, look at me for a second. You know, <laughs> my, my sister, whose children are all grown now, she was fussing the other day and she was like, why do I have that baby shark in my head? She said, I heard somebody playing it in a car in a parking lot when I was pulling up and now it's in my head. I don't have babies. What is going on? And I just laughed because the next thing I learned uh, when I was, you know, determined that I was going to get the, the wisdom smack so that I could help my niece understand it more was this. When it comes to trends, what you're going to always tend to see is repetition. So let's go back to our Britney. And when I say Britney, I'm not necessarily just talking about Britney Spears. I'm talking about pop music. The more repetitive a song is, or the simpler the lyrics are, where they repeat themselves, the more propensity they have to go uh, to be a success. Trendy things are made so that the most people can grab onto them and understand them as fast as possible. And so when people talk about uh, songs, the biggest songs are not necessarily the songs sang by the most um, outstanding musicians or singers. 
They are the songs that are conveyed in a key and a note that the average person can sing along. And they have verses that are very catchy and hooks that become these quotables. And so that is what helps them to succeed because when you have a trend, you want it to be viral. You want it to have a big, big factor of newness and you want something catchy. And that means that a lot of times when you are looking at trends, you're going to see that they have a lot of repetition, a lot of simplicity. They don't call for you to have a high understanding of anything beyond just being able to experience them for what they are. Okay. So now that I've said that, um, the the next thing is, is when we're looking at a classic versus a trend, we want to take away and strip away all the stuff of what they are and just deal with this whole thing of a, and when I say a classic, I'm using that interchangeably with a classic and a standard. And so with the a, a classic, let me just stay on that one for uh, for a moment. As I've said before, not only are they timeless and ageless, but there is usually a census of people, organizations, or or many generations who swear by them. And whether it be, and there's a book that I, I'm going to mention, uh, it's called Perennial Bestseller, um, and it talks about what makes books you know, become ageless, but I recommend it because he does a great treatise on some of the standard companies out there. Like he talks about uh, Zildjian, uh, the symbols, musical symbols company. Um, and he talks about a few others. And so I like the way he does it because he does a really good job of, of dissecting what makes something perennial. So I'll make sure I put that in the, the show notes. But going back to what I'm saying, it's ageless, it's timeless. And not only that, it is created to withstand the test of time. It is always ready to be compared, investigated, and scrutinized. And it's made to be able to succeed and win under that scrutiny. You see, classics, they're not uh, created to bring big attention to themselves. They usually have a slow burn when they're first introduced. They usually have a groundswell. Think about the show Firefly. It was on for one season and it's been off the air going on uh, many, many years, at least over well over a decade. And yet and still, this, this show has a cult-like following to the point where it has now permeated into the larger um cult of people, if you will, who love science fiction. It's become part of um, the lexicon of our lives, um, you know, uh, certain things that they say about the show. And if you don't know the show, you can easily go and, <clears throat> excuse me, look at any kind of wikis or anything like that. And it obeyed those rules, even though it was made to be something trendy in, you know, being that it was made to be a television show it hopped over into the classics because it obeyed these things. It became timeless. The show's uh, components were not necessarily heavy on technology as much as they were heavy on the interpersonal relationships and the things that the genre called for with how they handle stuff. It was also that slow burn where it didn't take off. That's why it only got one season. But 
through the years. It was stood the test of time. Then it was cared for, remembered, honored, and cherished, and revered, and thus it became a classic. Now, I want to just say uh, a few other things about a classic, and then we'll talk about, uh, you know, trends as well. Because my hope is once we go through this, and if you're still with me, thank you, because the stuff that I'm telling you right now, it might sound boring or even convoluted, but trust me, let this marinate. And then when you look at things in, in society, you're going to be amazed at how you're able to say, oh, that's a trend or that's a classic, you know, because of simple things like this. OK, so um, one thing uh, one thing I want to make sure that uh, I, I say before I, I move on to trends about classics and standards is that they have continual appeal generation after generation. You know, think of the little black dress, no matter what is in style, as long as women have a little black dress, they can dress it up, dress it down, and they'll never look like they are out of order. They'll never stick out like a sore thumb. And so that's another thing about um, these classics, okay? And so understanding that uh, the classics are able to step outside of time, they don't age, you can't, um, and when I say they don't age, I'm, I'm not saying that you can't tell when they were made, but I'm, I am going to say that they it's an agreed upon thing that this has become a standard. This has become something else. And I want to say one other thing too is that when you're looking at a classic, um, a classic is something that a lot of people are willing to invest in, whereas a trend is something that people look at as a cost. I'm going to say a little bit more about that when I move into the trends part. Okay, so now let's talk about our trends. Now, trends are not bad, and a lot of trends have made good to become standards, like our uh, Firefly television series example and like the whiz you know um trends now the thing is is whereas classics are timeless and ageless and they withstand the time uh test of time scrutiny and all this stuff trends age like avocados and they actually speed up time because when you have a trend a trend can be very trendy for a moment a week a year and when I say they age, when their time is over, people can quickly look at them as a past trend. They stick out like a sore thumb if you're still trying to use them or wear them, okay? It's kind of like the faux hawk and all these other things that were popular a few years ago that if you're wearing it now, people are like, okay, that's like the mullet. Give it up, dude. You know, that kind of thing. So not only do they age like avocados or sour milk, <laughs> they speed up time, and they exploit quality and in, in investment when they should, they are more so made for quantity and cost. And what I mean by that is classics and standards denote quality because they have to. They, they, they have to be able to stand the test of time. They can't disintegrate and be cheap, you know, um, or if they are, they're so revered that people like treat them like a precious object, you know classic comic books anyone and the way people treat those with the you know the the glove service 
But then they're also an investment because with a classic, a classic only gets better with time and ages very well where its value increases. Whereas with a trend, they are, you know, like I said, there's plenty of it and it's most likely junk. Okay. And it uh, does not hold its value well. All right. That is why when you go to a lot of places now and you buy season uh, clothes off season, that's why you can get them on a clearance and you can get them at low cost because they were very trendy. And if you wear them outside of the trend, people will know you're wearing a previous season's dress or trend. Okay. All right. So now the next thing is, is whereas you have classics that are perennial and can come in and out of season or they can always stay the same, you know, you uh, where you have trends, trends are cyclical. They come around maybe. And so they're cyclical. So people might bring back a platform shoe. But the thing is, is when they bring it back, it's going to have a tweak to it. It's not going to be the exact same thing. It's going to be an update on that trend. So even though they can be cyclical and they can come back around in rotation, they never come back exactly as they were, whereas a classic will. All right. And then the next thing is, and I know I'm giving y'all a lot of stuff, but trust me, this stuff is good. And and I mean... I'm just going to tell you, you could take a lot of this stuff and help a lot of marketing, you know, people with marketing and stuff too. But anyway, I digress. All right. But they never stay around for long. We're talking about trends. And they're made to appease on a short attention span and with people with fleeting interest. Okay. They are made to be consumables and to move on. All right. So I've given you this stuff about be uh, how to find be uh, or, or denote a, a standard class, classy something versus a, a fleeting trend. In my last few moments, I want to talk a little bit about how you can make sure that your identity or what you offer or how you are, you become a standard instead of a trend. Now, I'm not going to say <laughs> all the stuff, but I, I remember when I was having our, my conversation with my niece, who is an adult, we were talking about how it is that some eligible people are considered trends and others are considered, as she's called them, keepers. And I thought that was quite funny. And I said, you know what? When I do my podcast, I'll make sure I put this part in here. So this is what I want to say about that. How do you make yourself a standard instead of a trend? Well, the first thing is, is we're going to make it where you hold a lot of the, um, the markers of a classic. First of all, you want to have a great reputation because classics rely on word of mouth and thus they rely on having a reputation that is staying power and that a lot of people revere. And so what is the first thing people do now when they meet you? They get online and they vet you by Googling you, social media you and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to come off as a stick around great investment standard, especially if you're in the dating pool, you want to make sure that first and foremost, you do some reputation management and make sure that under scrutiny, you can hold up. So if you've got stuff out there that is questionable, You need to get rid of it, scrub it or whatever, because that is going to sure enough put you in the trend status. 
The next thing is, is to understand that you are not uh, necessarily looking for the big splash all the time. You want to be something that gets gets better, like fine wine and cheese takes time, meaning that you have some depth to you, that people can't surmise who you are by doing a 10-minute Google search. You have subtext to you. You have layers and complexities and all of those things. And the next thing is, is you want to make sure that you can outlast the moods, fluctuations, and temperaments of people who are vetting you to see if you are worth having a relationship or a friendship with. One of the saddest things that I see with people is that they start acting like a trend because they don't know how to have staying power when someone has something critical to say or they don't like something about you. And this is not an indictment on any specific person. It is just to say that if you are going to have high value You have got to understand that classics are not swayed by the temperaments, moods, and fluctuations of a lot of people. Classics are classics because they remain um, true to themselves. Am I saying that they become stoic? No, but I am saying that when you have a classic, it is a classic and you know what it is because there is a, a grounding and a depth to you, to that, or whatever. There is an inherent understanding that with a classic, you get great investment and great quality. And if you can't say that about what you've done, who you are, your beliefs, and those types of things, and you want to be judged on that, then I suggest that you work on your reputation, you work on your groundedness, and uh, you work on what you present to people. Because in today's world, People are always vetting you, whether it be for a relationship, for a job, or for becoming a part of a social group. You know, so I know we have covered a lot and I've tried to make this as fun as possible. Thank you for listening to this point. And guess what? Yep, my time is up. I do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. So you know what to do. Check the show notes. Don't forget to use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ to help support the show. And thank you for listening. And you know what? I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.